Welcome to Still Dead from Chipperish Media. I'm story expert and one part hum, two parts dinger, Lonnie Diane Rich. And I'm researcher and creature manifested as a byproduct of using dark magic, Dr. Kelly Jones. <laughs> and we're here today to talk about Angel Season 3, Episodes 19 and 20, The Price, which is a skipper, and A New World, which is unfortunately a watcher. <laughs> we're on the hunt for a lasso and some crazy glue, so let's raise the stakes. In The Price, the idea of Still Thirsty is twisted into a totally skippable episode starring a manifestation of gross glow-in-the-dark jelly slug leeches that drink people up from the inside out. They've taken over the Hyperion as a result of Angel's reckless use of dark magic. A random dude wanders in, hoping Angel can help him find his lost dog, only to get infected by one of the slugs. After drinking every peach smoothie in L.A., he dies in a crumble of dehydrated dust. And no one cares much until Fred gets infected, and then the team finds an ocean's worth of slugs all through the hotel. Swords and fire aren't much help, so Gunn goes to Wesley, who only agrees to help because Fred is dying. Meanwhile, Angel talks to the slug hiding in Fred and learns that the slugs are terrified of an oncoming force known as the Destroyer, who conveniently enough is also coming after Angel. Gunn returns just in time to save Fred with the vodka he got from Wesley, who now knows the secrets of prophecy, scruffy beards, and good bartending. The army of slugs attack Cordelia and Angel, and Cordy's new powers kick in, we think. She glows a bright white, and I guess that impresses the slugs because her light seems to kill them all. As the team comes back together in the lobby, Fred warns them that the Destroyer is coming right about now. A portal cracks open and a demon falls through, snarling and dangerous. Then the portal cracks again and a teenage warrior falls through. He kills the demon, turns a weapon on Angel, and says, Hi, Dad. Baby Connor, a.k.a. the Destroyer, is sort of grown up, back in L.A., and ready for a fight. Yes, really. Luckily, Wesley has enough vodka to go around because we're going to need it for this Connor storyline. The Price aired on April 29th, 2002. It was directed by Marita Grabiak and written by David Fury. And on the perfect happiness scale with Stake This at Zero and Lost Your Soul at Six. Kelly, where'd you land? I put this in the middle at a three. Um, mm -hmm. I, I might have given it a four if we'd cut the beginning with the poor slug guy and the gross dehydration mess. But mm -hmm. I just keep wondering, like, if the magic Angel did was so bad. Shouldn't the price be steeper than an infestation of jelly slugs that Cordelia can just wipe out with her new rainbow bright powers? <laughs> like, what? And <laughs> Fred getting damseled is getting old. Hallelujah to that, yeah. I do appreciate some echoes we'll see from this later in season five, but since we're unspoiled, mm -hmm. we can't talk about that. However, Lila is so fantastic in this episode, and Wesley's beard is worth a six all on its own. And Connor's entrance, while questionable, is, is also unexpected <laughs> and interesting. So there are yes. some moments of, of perfect happiness here. But I swear the phrase, we're thirsty, will never <laughs> sound sexy again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we may need to rename that segment. Uh, for me, this lands at a three, and that is a stretching the three. <laughs> um, this is basically just because of Wesley. Uh, this isn't a particularly bad 
episode, I guess, although the more I think about it, the worse I think it is. Uh, but it's really not great. Um, as a price for conducting a dark spell, a standard monster of the week doesn't really exact a price. That's not a consequence. On the angel investigation scale of pesky, this thing doesn't rate that high. So we have to damsel <laughs> Fred in order to make it interesting. Um, the best part, of course, is Wesley full bearded and full dark. But even that can't save the fact that we're ending on a cliffhanger with stupid Connor's stupid arrival because he's stupid. <laughs> I mean, it's a great entrance, but it has absolutely nothing to do with this episode. So we actually start the next episode at the end of this episode and run all the way through. And it's just really annoying. Yeah. But luckily, since the next episode starts right where this one ends, you can skip this one. Yes. No, you absolutely can. <laughs> absolutely. We are doing you a favor when we say go ahead and skip it. <laughs> Unless you're really into Dark Wesley, then just watch that one scene. Yeah. And you'll be okay. I mean, you can fast forward it to the parts with Lila, which was where... Yeah, no, Lila and Wesley. <laughs> yeah, basically, it's a general rule of thumb. Yeah, <laughs> just skip pretty until, much. Until you see Lila and Wesley. And pretty then, much. And then just, you know, the rest of it, it's fine. Yeah. And, and Lila is where my moments of perfect happiness start. Um, All right. I, Get us started, Jones. I love this scene with Lila mm-hmm. and Gavin. Um, yes. And she is like, look, I'm ahead of the game. Angel tried to kill his friend, kidnapped and tortured Linwood, and performed dark forbidden magics all <laughs> on my watch, sugar. <laughs> and I'm like, hell yeah. Like resume mm-hmm. building, bullet yeah. points. Like, <laughs> No, absolutely. I love it. And then when she figures out, oh shit, like Angel's hotel is under attack and somebody's got to go save him. And she's like, damn it. I've got to go in there and save his ass now. And <laughs> I really loved it. And yeah. I and I like Gavin. Like he's learning the Wolfram and Hart way of snapping people in the back um, oh, and, yeah. and playing really good mind games. Um, mm-hmm. But I really like how Lila also dismisses him. And she's just like, fine, play your little games. I've got to go save my immortal <laughs> enemy. <laughs> immortal enemy i love this woman i know she's so good and i do love gavin too i think Mm -hmm. that they don't they don't utilize daniel day kim as much as they should as much as everybody should oh yeah and it's also so super nice to have you know like a more diverse cast and i really Mm -hmm. love having him in there Mm -hmm. um but uh, but gavin's kind of you know a little bit i don't know kind of boring yeah I think. he's a little yeah. he's a little... I, I want to see him get i want to see him pull Lindsay. i want him to see like be at Lindsay's level and he's just always kind of like lila's little annoying sidekick and i want i want more from him so i just had a mental flash of gavin yes. on stage mm-hmm. with a guitar and that's totally working for me oh yeah daniel day kim <laughs> It's freaking fantastic. I love him. And he's when we so... start our podcast, Still Lost, we're oh, going to be talking yeah. about him a lot. And he's so gorgeous. And they just keep yeah. him kind of self-contained in this, I think. Yeah. They um, don't really do interesting stuff with him. I mean, he just annoys Lila. I want to see him, like, really getting into the game. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. 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 Me too. Um, But then after Lila, we have this great scene with Gunn and Wesley and I Mm -hmm. I really appreciated Gunn going to Wesley for help like he's like Mm -hmm. okay I know we're all mad at him and whatever but I don't care because he he will know how to save Fred and I don't yes and so like Mm -hmm. he goes to him anyway which I think is great and then Wesley opens the door and he has a full beard (laughs) and I was like oh no wait maybe we are thirsty aren't we maybe we are thirsty (laughs) 
Oh my god, I saw that beard and I was like, dude, because that's a full beard. Like mm-hmm. usually he's scruffy, mm-hmm. and I think that you can tell the extent of his darkness based on his beard. <laughs> <laughs> it's like full beard. That's huh. full dark. That yeah. explains so much about it's my like taste in men, dark, Wesley. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. Full of antioxidants, <laughs> ready to give you a good time. <laughs> Oh, coffee, dark chocolate, dark Wesley. There you go. There you go. I know. It's all good. It's all, it's all good. good stuff. Um, and I really like Wesley. He has this very powerful moment here where he's like mm-hmm. reflecting on the fact that he was left for dead. Yeah. And he said, I wanted to live to see my friends again. Yeah. Like that's how much he loves them. But then mm-hmm. he shifted to like, I'll help you because it's Fred, but don't come back here again. Yeah. Um, which I have questions about when we get to research mode. But oh, okay. in the moment of the episode, it worked for me. Yeah. Um, and mm-hmm. I love his simple, smart solution. Like there's all yes. these books and all these scrolls and Wesley just goes straight for the liquor cabinet. <laughs> <laughs> like here. It almost seems like this is not his first rodeo with a dehydrating slug. Or his first rodeo with vodka. <laughs> mm, not at all. <laughs> Yeah, it was just really great. That was really great. Um, And then I did like Lorne. Um, Mm -hmm. I really liked him when he was talking about this dark force that's coming. And he's like, it goes by the initials of the destroyer. (laughs) (laughs) Only Lorne. Like, only Lorne will make me laugh. And And I love it when they're looking for the slugs and they walk into this wing that they haven't used. And Uh he's like, this space is one part hum, two parts dinger. And he wanted to open a, a karaoke bar there and i'm like yeah absolutely they should have the karaoke bar in the hyperion That's yeah awesome. that would be awesome i mean i know every hotel needs a good bar um <laughs> exactly and, and i did i did get a little kick out of crew having of such course. good color sense and you know he's like going through the color wheel like pomegranate mist is the wrong color choice for this room sunburst splendor is a hue more worthy of a champion and i'm like oh <laughs> Sweet groom. Yeah, that was, I will say, that is my favorite groom moment out of all of the groom moments that we see in these two episodes. And granted, that's a really super low bar, <laughs> but it was very sweet. It was very sweet. And and mm-hmm. the whole ending, like, even though I still can't quite make sense of it, I did yeah. think it was kind of interesting to go portal, demon, Connor, high dad. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it's a memorable entrance, if nothing else. No, it's a great entrance, but it's bad narrative. Yes. Because this episode doesn't have anything to do with that, or supposedly, I don't know, we're going to hash that out when we get to research mode, because I have questions. Um, but overall, it this doesn't have to do with Connor. We've set up that there's going to be this destroyer coming. Mm-hmm. We could, you know, finish this episode and then open up the next episode with that and that would be fine. But they do it so that they can have a cliffhanger and cliffhangers narratively are cheap. So overall... Not a fan of it. I do like the construction of the moment itself, but yeah. the placement at the end of this episode, just to have us be like, oh, hi, Dad. You know, I mean, no. No, it's not good. Um, it's not good. And and speaking of things that are not good. Right. Go I, for steak. Uh, <laughs> time to steak. <laughs> That's all we need is those little CB radios and be like, go for staking. Go for staking. Check, check. Yeah. <laughs> <So> this- Roger that. <laughs> Roger that. <laughs> I'm reading you loud and clear. Staking now. Check, check. Yeah. But 
like this this whole thing around thomogenesis, right? Yeah. Like, first of all, I hate this clear gelatin giant leech slug monster, like, so much. And, and right. the collective communication or whatever, we are thirsty, we are whatever. What they are is annoying. Like, right. <laughs> I, I just... And I never want to see a peach smoothie again as long as I live because I never that wanted guy... to see a peach smoothie in the first place. Yeah, like the juice bar thing. I mean, yeah. ugh, I don't it's know. It's so weird. And I mean, you know, there's water fountains all over town. <laughs> and like, and the ocean... most hydrating thing in the world is not a peach smoothie. Yeah. I, I yeah. just, I don't know, man. I don't know. Um, yeah. And I have, but I have more research questions about it than anything. Um, mm-hmm. Because we've seen this before in, like, the Buffy Angel verse. And I don't know how much sense it makes here. Yeah, it doesn't work here. I like the concept of Tomogenesis. Yeah. Um, So, I mean, conceptually, I think it's interesting. I thought it was interesting when we used it in Buffy Mm -hmm. (laughs) at the beginning of season six. Yeah. but now it's it's a little weird. These also look like um, like the bad egg demons from Buffy. You remember that episode? Oh, yeah. Um, they have the same kind of shape, the same movement, um, and it, it, except for they're, you know, like invisible, they're, they're see-through or whatever. But aside from that, it's kind of the same demon movement. And so it feels like we're like repurposing, you know, stuff because they just <laughs> were not inspired with this episode. And I think that kind of comes through in the rest of the episode. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, and I got really annoyed with how they treated Fred in this episode. Mm-hmm. Like I have, I have a big problem with smart people being cast into any intellectual role at all. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. it really bothers me. And Angel trying to force Fred as a substitute for Wesley. Yeah really pisses me off she is a scientist she's a physicist she's not Mm -hmm. a mythical scholar right you know being smart in one field doesn't give you expertise in every other unless you're a watcher apparently um and it just really bothers me that that's you know angel's just typecasting her like that Mm -hmm. um and then of course you know oh let's turn off all the lights in the hotel and work in the dark because Mm -hmm. these little guys just happen to glow and that's really handy oh and i know i know while we're at it let's leave fred alone (laughs) by herself because nothing bad ever happens when we do that and she will be fine yeah exactly but we need to damsel her how are right. we going to damsel this girl if we don't leave her alone for a little while so she can get attacked by this thing? Um, all of it, yeah. Yeah. It's not great. It, it's it's not great. Um, it's just not great. And then as much as I love Gru, the whole Cordy and Gru thing here mm-hmm. is just, like, I'm ready to stake it. Yeah. So, you know, Angel tells the team to leave and get Fred to the hospital, and Gru is carrying Fred like the good hero that he is. But mm-hmm. Cordy turns to stay with Angel. Yeah. And Cordelia ignoring Gru to be there for Angel is just getting old. And I mm-hmm. I do feel bad for Gru because he thought they had something and he didn't understand the Cordelia Angel dynamic. Yeah. Gru hopped a portal for yeah. a woman he'd known for 35 seconds. Now, granted, it was a great 35 seconds. It's like they had a good time, you know. Um, but yeah, like Gru coming back and expecting Cordy to not have anything else going on and for them to be like the one true of all one trues. Like, yeah, but I mean, he is a little um, naive anyway. So I guess you can 
you know, accommodate for that. But it's just so weird. And his little pouty, pitiful nonsense. It's I have no patience for that. Yeah. And and like, before you just show back up in someone's life, you should probably check to see if they're still interested. But I mean, I understand we don't have know, email that crosses the portal. Right. He right? Can't like, call I get it. Her. He can't communicate. But yeah. also like the idea that, you know, before he leaves one world for another, you know, you should at least accommodate for the possibility that she may not be ready to like make a lifetime commitment to you. I mean, that's right. a lot to ask of somebody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I mean, once he shows back up, she responds in a way that would make him believe she wants to be with him. Yeah. Know? And at this point, they've been together for a while. They went on that long vacation. Yeah. So, like at this point, like I, I get that he is expecting some kind of, you know, commitment and dedication from her. Right. But the the pouty whininess of it all. Yeah, I think it's what really bugs me. It gets like, old. And, yeah. and Cordelia is supposed to be the empathiest of any empath. Mm-hmm. And yet she's completely clueless about her own feelings here and about the yeah. fact that she's hurting group. And I'm like, okay, just enough. Like yeah. enough, enough, mm-hmm. enough. Um, and then these freaking new powers of oh, hers. What that, is that? I, what? Like, how does it work? How does she turn it on? Yeah. What? What? Huh? Yeah. And. And, you know, and I I thought the line was cute when Gru was like, oh, you truly are a goddess. And she's like, mm-hmm. well, demoness anyway. But I'm like, right. what the fuck kind of demon is she? She levitates and she glows. And she has one one demon that she's actually like has a useful skill for because, and I, you know, we're, we can't spoil things. That don't have, shouldn't do this again. This yeah. isn't like a new power that all of a sudden, whenever we're surrounded by demons, that she can just glow and get rid of all of them. They just threw that in there with no narrative weight, no significance, nothing that this is going to be something that turns into a thing for Cordelia. We just use it here because we don't know how to get rid of thousands of little glowing demon slugs. <laughs> It's yeah. just, it's, it's not good. I mean, when my brain gets so distracted that I'm wanting to call in the Winchesters and have Sam and Dean show up with a bunch of salt because right. I'm like logically trying to figure out how to get rid of these freaking demons. And it's yeah. like, oh no, you just glow. Just glow, yeah. man. It'll be just fine. Glow. And there's nothing that, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's not thought out. And another thing with Cordy that, that was weird is that she is like, she's so clueless about everything right you know she's clueless about Gru and how Gru's feeling she's clueless about her own feelings for Angel and all of that and then we have this moment where she says well I became a demon for that man you know and no she became a demon for the mission and for her visions and I mean Angel was part of that definitely you know when she had that moment where she saw him you know curling up on the floor completely incapable of you know being a person you know um (laughs) but but that's not the only reason why she became a demon and so for her to say something like that is really it just exists so that it can make Gru feel worse yeah so to say it first of all it's not entirely true and then to say it in front of Gru and have absolutely no clue about how he would feel hearing something like that all of that just feels weird to me and sloppy in the writing it does. And and I do feel bad for Gru because he's learning the life lesson that you yeah. should never fall in love in the Whedonverse. And right. it's just kind of sad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, I don't know. Gru yeah. just, 
I never liked him much to begin with, so my sympathy for him is really limited. I don't and know it's also why. Kind of, there's also an element of poutiness to it that... Yeah, I don't know yeah. why I have so much sympathy for him, but I do. Like, I don't well, quite sweet. get it. I, I, I guess. I don't know. I, I keep questioning it. No, you're not mean. <laughs> I'm watching it like, why do I have so much patience and sympathy for this guy? And I don't quite know why. Mm. But I do. And that's not a research question, but I do have others. Okay. Okay. So research question one is about some random dude named Phil. Sure. Like, mm-hmm. Does anybody feel bad for Phil? <laughs> All he did was come to Angel and yell in the lobby. And, yeah. you know, he wanted help finding his dog. So I don't think he got, like, the business message for Angel. Why do you go to brand. Angel to find your dog? Yeah, I don't know about that. Um, <laughs> and then he's dead. And they're just mm-hmm. vacuuming him up. Like, it's no big deal. Well, sure. Yeah. And this this show makes such a huge deal about any time Angel's thinking about killing a human. Mm-hmm. But here, his actions directly cause this man's death, and it's basically played for comedy. Yeah. Like, we, we just don't care that this guy, you know, we, we need to see the consequence of it, you know, because yeah. we need to know the kind of danger that Fred is in. But that's solely what he's about at this point like he is just there to demonstrate the consequence for us yeah and uh yeah it's it's really kind of treated as a as a funny i mean here he is he's drinking the smoothies Mm -hmm. you know and like i don't know it is it's weird i was thinking okay remember the guy oh my god i cannot remember his name he's the little geeky billionaire guy that came to them for help um and then he just disappeared and we never saw him again yeah no idea yeah that would have been a great role for him Oh, it would have been because we would have cared. We would have cared if he had you know? suddenly shown up. Yeah, and yeah. like I don't know that that whole thing was just weird, and mm-hmm. the whole thomogenesis thing. Like Angel mm-hmm. is not the least bit surprised by yeah. this slug in his infestation. He knew there would be consequences for that dark magic that he performed, but he did it anyway. Mm-hmm. And so, in that doing, has Angel already crossed a real line and? Did Lila really win, like, maybe more than she realizes that she's No, won? no, because there are no consequences. This is a standard monster of the week. It could have shown up because they did a dark spell, and it could have shown up because it was Tuesday. This is, There's <laughs> nothing special about this thing, not to mention the fact that Cordelia is able to just wipe it out with a sneeze, you know? Yeah. So, um, so, no, I mean, I, I like the idea of Tomogenesis. I like the idea that there's consequences for dark spells, and he did open up some dark magic. Mm-hmm. That said, I think that the consequences should be, you know, consequential, that there should be something to it. Now, here's the thing. We have these, um, you know, these slugs that came through, right? They have knowledge of Connor, of the Destroyer, you know, coming after Angel. So they are, I guess, somewhat related to Kortoth. So he, he, the thing is that they don't seem to be related to Kortoth. We're able to wipe them out pretty much without a problem. And of course, Fred is, um, you know, is, is saved by what I do every Wednesday when I go out to trivia night at the bar with my friends. Like, <laughs> you know, it's just a, just a little bit of a, a little vodka, some good times, some, you know, some good questions, some good tunes. And there you go, you know, um, <laughs> 
and she's fine and she gets rid of this thing. So there really isn't any consequence and it's not thematically consequential to Angel. It's mm-hmm. not like he did something and then he has to pay a price. He's not even the one who gets infected. Like, so there isn't a real consequence. He didn't go completely dark. You know, I think that, that Lila won as much as she's going to win when he was torturing, you know, Linwood and yeah. uh, and dragging him up and down the stairs. <laughs> um <laughs> So, I mean, that was, but this doesn't have a sense of, um, of a consequence that's related to what it was that Angel wanted. And it does seem that it did somehow create a connection between this place and Kortoth. So he did make that connection. But then we have Connor come in and, you know, seemingly unrelated. I guess this, this like moves into the next episode a little bit. So I'm going to like continue this question part two, when we get to research questions, talking about a new world, but, um, but it, it, it is somewhat related, but it's not really related. And these, mm-hmm. you know, things are, are like giving some insight, but they're, but we don't have any sense of what they are and they're wiped out really easily. So I don't think that there's, there's anything really like deeply consequential for Angel in having tried to open up that tear in the world. Yeah. You know? The only thing I could think of is that maybe the slugs are not what we think they are. Yeah. And the real consequence is Connor. Like yeah. Connor is the consequence for Angel sleeping with Darla, for Angel wanting to go dark when he was sleeping with Darla and for Angel performing dark magic that like, what Connor has become yeah, is the consequence for that. But I feel like I'm stretching. But what Connor, like Connor coming back is what he wanted. And that's, yeah. and you know, if opening up that space where these, you know, slug demons could come in, opened up a connection for Connor that allowed him to come back, then he's really rewarded for doing the dark well, magic. Well, except when you get what you want, that's not what you want. Because Angel... Right, well, the monkey's paw element of it. Yeah. The, the fact is that no matter what a mess Connor is, he's got his son back. And that's the thing. Like, you know, with a kid, whether they're a mess or not, you love them, you want to be there for them, and he was able to get get his son back. So, yeah, yeah I don't know. I don't it's, know. It's, it's not good. His son back minus his whole childhood and some very questionable taste in clothing, but I don't no, know. Yeah. So that, and, and, and then again, like Cordy's lack of visions like related to any of this is, is still just driving me crazy. So I have just decided there is a Connor block filter on, I, I guess all the, or the powers that be are like, well, it's not going to be interesting if we give you all the answers. Then it's not fun. <laughs> you know, we will tell you about things except, angel son except um, something like matters yeah and and then like visually it felt like something mattered that i can't make sense of and this is a small thing mm-hmm. but that snow globe that yeah. angel bought for connor like it gets a lot of attention mm-hmm. um and something made of glass is probably not a great gift for an infant um yeah. and so i was wondering like is it actually significant or was it just there so fred could break it and drink the water to show that she's been infected I think that's all it was. Because, you I know, we get just, this super yeah. close up on it. And it's right. like a little rabbit farmer in a carrot field. And I'm like, are, are right. we going, you know, like rosebud with the meaning of this thing here? Because I, I'm not getting it. I don't it. know. But also, like, why break the snow globe? I mean, I guess it's the closest thing. But, like, there's there's running water 
in the hotel. I yeah. imagine they drink water all the time. You know, they make the so. coffee, so there's got to be water somewhere. It doesn't seem like the most convenient way to get enough water for what she needs either. So it is, it's a weird element. It's mm-hmm. a weird thing to have her drink the snow globe. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it does. It does have this kind of rosebud. This like, oh, it's so it's not significant. Like, yeah, I'm like you know. symbolic of a smashed childhood. I think I'm stretching uh, it. I think this is the vodka talking, basically. Uh, yeah, I have um, no idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the thing that was really crunchy for me mm-hmm. is the idea of Wesley's love for Fred, and I'm putting love yeah. in quotation marks. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Wesley only agrees to help because Fred is in danger. Yeah. And he only gives enough help to save Fred. So, like, the rest of that ocean's worth of slugs and all the people they could infect apparently don't matter. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. and I've been thinking about this for a while. I don't think Wesley's love for Fred is really Fred at all. I think Fred represents being a good man for him because yeah. of what he did in Billy. Uh-huh. And so, yeah. if, if Fred loves him or if he's saving Fred, then he's a good man. Right. But his feelings for her don't seem to be about her at all. Yeah. And this is the problem, too. Because, you know, I love Wesley. Like, Mm -hmm. I I, I know I've played that card pretty close to the vest. um, (laughs) I'm so surprised to hear you say this. I know. Well, sit down and and take a moment to recover (laughs) from that revelation, which is shocking. Um, And so, like, you know, I'm always like, oh, my God, Wesley and Fred, Wesley and Fred, Wesley and Fred. And I love Wesley and that and that. Um, and a lot of people have had some pushback. Like there's been a lot of pushback on the discord channel on Twitter where people are like, yeah, uh, do Wesley and Fred really belong together? Are they really a better couple than Fred and Gunn? Um, and you know, I think it's that Wesley wants her and I love Wesley. So I want her for Wesley. Mm -hmm. Are they really a good pair? I like that. They're both intellectually curious, Mm -hmm. you know, um, she's a scientist and he's a mystical scholar, but they both have this, this deep desire for knowledge. And I think that that is something that I feel would bond them, you know? Um, and when it comes right down to it though, I think you're absolutely right. I think that the way in which he quote unquote loves Fred is not about her. It, you know, he, he started having a thing for her early on, you know? Um, and then the whole Billy thing happened. And I think that, yeah, if he can, if he can, if Fred loves him, then I think that is his passage to being a good man to, you know, he's, he's, he's been deep in the question, what kind of man am I, which I think is a really interesting question. Mm -hmm. And I love that. What kind of person am I whenever a character goes dark, you know, a good character has that turn. Um, You know, it's, it's a really crunchy question to ask, like, are we good because we're good or are we good because circumstance hasn't put us in a position where we've, done something bad you know um like what is it that makes us good um and there's a lot of stuff that that is really interesting in that philosophical space that you know is a great place for fiction to kind of explore those questions and i love the way that they do that with wesley but his love for fred and has seemed very much about the possession of her mm-hmm. that there's something that it's not as much about her as it is about what it means to him for her to love him back or something yeah. like there's something in there that's that's dark and not not good and not as much about fred you know yeah i think she represents um, something to him she represents something i don't think yeah. he loves her for who she actually is and i mean everyone at team angel has turned their backs on wesley including fred yeah. 
mm-hmm. but he's willing to help her and not willing to help the rest of them. Yeah. So what is the show saying about what kind of man Wesley is now? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, where he is now, like he's in a very dark place and I like that. It's fun to play with that space. Yeah. Um, And his soft spot for Fred and the way that he loves her um, does feel like it's about him. There's a, a line that Eric Fromm says about mature and immature love that immature love is I love you because I need you and mature love is I need you because I love you. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that we're in an immature love space with Wesley here. I think that he needs her for something and that's like inspires all of this love that he has for her because the bottom line is she's made her choice. Mm-hmm. Right. And when you love somebody, they've made their choice, you know, you let it go. Right. Um, and I think that that's something that, you know, especially in that they, they didn't have a relationship prior, you know, she didn't tell him that she wanted him or that she loved him or that she was into him prior to that. She saw him as just a friend. So it's not like they had a relationship and she suddenly left him for gun and he's reeling with that because I think that that's something that you can't expect from somebody that like finish this before you move on to that, you know? Yeah. Um, but with with no promises from her, with no return of affection from her, he still feels like entitled to her in a way that that is inherently uncomfortable. Yeah, very, very. So I just and again, this is we have a lack of vocabulary. Yeah. So it's just really easy to say, well, Wesley loves Fred. I don't think that's the case. I think Fred yeah. represents something to him that he wants to be. Mm-hmm. And so he'll behave in ways towards her that are different. And he thinks that that's because he loves her, but that's not what this is. Yeah. Um, but it was just one more kind of confusing thing in a really confusing episode. So <laughs> <laughs> on that, I will brood. Um, the price showed some consequences, I guess, for Angel's Dark Magic. Sure. It gave us a sense of Wesley's estrangement, and it brought Connor, grown to man cub and problematic <laughs> as fuck, back into Angel's life. But you'll see Connor's entrance again in a new world, so the price is skippable. After school's special message summary, don't play around with dark forces, y'all. It doesn't end well. <laughs> And with that, Lonnie, why don't you take us into a new world? In a new world, Connor attacks everyone at the hotel, but when Angel gets the best of him, he runs off and makes a new friend in a young drug addict named Sunny, and a new enemy in her dealer. While Angel and the crew search Los Angeles trying to find Connor, he squats with Sunny and she immediately overdoses because spending time with him is not something you really want to do. (laughs) Poor Connor. Angel finds Connor there about to go and kill the drug dealer, but the dealer finds him first and brings cops with him. They engage in a shootout and Connor and Angel escape. Angel tries to get Connor to come back to the Hyperion, but Connor runs off. Meanwhile, back at the hotel, Cordy and Gru keep an eye on the tear in reality that Connor came through, but when Gru starts whining, Cordy kisses him, and while they're distracted, something comes through and knocks them both out. Lila approaches Wesley with a job offer. He turns it down and throws her out. Lorne returns to the hotel with a mistress of the dark who closes the tear in reality. Like, you know, whatever, no big deal. (laughs) Connor runs down an alley and says hi, Dad, to an extremely aged Holt. 15 years in a hell dimension is apparently not good for the skin. 
A New World aired on May 6th, 2002. It was directed by Tim Minear and written by Jeffrey Bell. Yes. Okay. So Dr. Jones, A New World, mm-hmm. Scale, Perfect mm-hmm. Happiness, Zero to Six. What you got? Okay. So trying to work with what I got here. <laughs> I did give this a four. Okay. Um, For one thing, I love it when an episode picks up exactly where the previous episode left off. Mm -hmm. It's just something that delights me. Um, Mm -hmm. But this is a generous four because all the distracting, chaotic, nonsensical mess with Connor is just a long series of what the fuck. Um, But in spite of that, the Lila and Wesley dynamic makes this a watcher for me because, oh, oh my God. God. Oh, I my know. God. Um, and Connor and Holtz are back, and that's intriguing. And Angel's heartbreak and struggle here are really strong. But, I mean, come on. What the actual hell? I know. I know. It's <laughs> not good. I gave it a three. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly on the back of Wesley and Lila. Uh, <laughs> Wesley and Lila stuff is great. Uh, the Angel part of the Connor reunion is really heartbreaking, totally affecting. But this episode is 10 pounds of stupid in a five pound bag. I mean, <laughs> instead of treating the rip in the fabric of reality as like, you know, a big deal. We hand we hand wave it away while spending most of the time with Connor and Sonny and the drug dealer and then a shootout. Whatever. I mean, this is all stuff that has absolutely nothing to do with Connor or the rip in reality or the consequences of doing the dark spell or the pentagram on the floor of the Hyperion. And this all should have narrative consequence. That's how we should be running through this introduction with Connor. Um, So I don't know. We made such a big deal out of consequence in the last episode, but there's absolutely no consequence. And it's all kind of stupid. That said... I have some moments of perfect happiness. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I do. Um, Angel and Connor, like uh, the scene with Angel when he's talking to Connor and he's so heartbroken. He's like, have you been okay? What was it like there? Did you have any friends? Like he, he knows that his son was in a hell dimension for 15 years and just wants to know that he's okay. And like the way that he's feeling, David Boreanaz does an amazing job with this. It's so heartbreaking. And I love this turn where he says, well, what do you know about vampires? And then Connor comes back with decapitation, stake in the heart, daylight, fire. Did I forget anything? And I love that. Like, I think that that's actually a really good, it's a good moment for Connor. He doesn't get a lot. So let's celebrate. (laughs) It was a good moment. But I was like, uh, crosses and holy water, kid. Like you still got some stuff to learn. (laughs) (laughs) you don't know everything you don't know everything snotty little teenage boy (laughs) and uh, and i did love that moment between angel and gun and fred you know he says he's my son and he's alive and he's going to stay alive and you know gun is like all right well is there anything else we can do for you and angel says yeah make the sun go down like oh god i know i i just all that desperation, you know, to get back to this, this kid and Angel, you know, literally takes a bullet for Mm -hmm. Connor, which to me is like the perfect metaphor of parenting. Yeah. Because it Mm -hmm. doesn't matter what is going on with your kid or how you're feeling or how truly awful they are or what kind of chamois suit they're wearing. If somebody, (laughs) you know, shoots at them, you're going to step in that line and take that bullet. And, and I thought they did a great job of communicating Mm-hmm. That sort of parental love that he has. Um, yeah. You know, and and I felt so awful for Angel when he was talking to Connor. And he's like, you're not alone. You know that, right? And Connor's like, yeah, I know. But he wasn't talking about Angel. He was talking about Holtz. Yeah. You know, and then he's got that. We've got that high son, high dad 
you know, and mm-hmm. holy shit, Holt's got old. <laughs> I know. Like, old, <laughs> They put a old. lot of makeup on the guy. Okay, like, I imagine, you know, 15 years raising a kid ages you alone, right? You know, but 15 <laughs> years raising a kid in a hell dimension, I imagine that's got to take the life out of you. Like, I, I think that any of us under those circumstances would probably be pretty aged. Yes, I, I would definitely think so. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I also, of course, really loved Lila and Wesley mm-hmm. in this. I love she comes in. I would have called, but I figured you'd just tell me to go to hell. So I thought I'd take a shot and drop by. <laughs> you know? so it's like, I find you being here extremely funny. <laughs> Um, it's also great. And then he, she gives him this, you know, like 1500s edition, like this, this like precious book to Wesley of Dante's Inferno. And he's like, yep, good. Throw us aside, thunk. You know? <laughs> that is when we know Wesley has truly gone dark. Oh, yeah. Yeah. When when he's like that with a book, even one that Lila gave to him. Um, And then when she says the worst spot in hell is reserved for those who betray. So don't pretend you're too good to work for us. I love that turn from Mm -hmm. Lila. She and I also especially love that, you know, she scripted that whole thing before she even left, because that's, of course, why she brought him Dante's Inferno. Yeah. God, it's good. It's so good. She wrote that whole scene out with a yellow highlighter on her legal pad. Like you oh, just yes, know. She did. <laughs> yes, know she, she did. Yes, she did. And I love her showing up at his place. And she's like, Aren't you going to invite me in? And that's so mm-hmm. funny to me with the whole vampire, you know, right. invitation mm-hmm. thing. And Wesley's like, No. And she says, Okay. And she just walks in. Walks <laughs> like, in anyway. God, I love her. I know. And I love that she's there to offer him a job because yeah. she knows talent and dark potential when she sees it. And mm-hmm. uh, just the whole energy dynamic between the two of them is so fantastic. Yeah. No, it is. It's really good. It is honestly the only reason why I gave this episode a <laughs> Well, that and, and a little bit of Lorne. Mm-hmm. A little bit of Lorne goes a long way. I love Lorne's hat. Yeah, He looks so good in that hat. And I love that he's got the he's got the hat to cover the horns. Yeah. The green face, you know, whatever. Green is Not fine. much to be done about that. But he's got to cover them horns, you know. And when he comes in with this mistress of the dark who constantly is shifting around to reporting from place to place and he's like what i wouldn't do for a lasso and some crazy <laughs> so if you get to go I mean, mistress myrna's dumb but yeah, yeah. If, if you get to go to a mystical university maybe don't major in interdimensional magic because it looks really annoying <laughs> it does look really annoying it does and she's terrible like not the actress or anything that she does necessarily but just the fact that we're like okay so we didn't know how to solve a problem last time so we just had Cordy glow and they decided to you know have a little dignity and not have Cordy be able to flash her hands and hair in reality <laughs> like we we treat it like it's a big deal when Sajan made a tear in reality they were like there can't be a portal you can only get there through a tear in reality and that's a bad thing and then she comes in and she's like oh that's so bad that's really bad and then she sneezes and she's like nope done you yeah know? yeah and it's so god it's just it's 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 bad I, I kept hearing the guys from the princess bride you know a tear mm-hmm. in reality you keep using that word I do not think it means what you think it means. Like, what is the difference between this and a portal? It opens. Somebody falls out. 
Like, I don't yeah. see what makes it it's, so damn what, special. Right. We're pretending like it's a big deal and it's not a big deal. But I got to say, closing tears in the fabric of reality is a costly and time consuming process, kind of like podcasting. <laughs> we here at Chipperish Media rely on the generous support of our listeners to keep our paranormal maintenance costs covered for as little as three dollars a month. The cost of like one five minute consultation from Mistress Myrna. You can keep all Chipperish Media podcasts free for everyone and you get access to the Discord chat with other other smart patrons who love to talk about Angel. And we even have a spoiler section there for people who want to go into research mode on things that haven't happened yet. You also get access to exclusive Chipperish content like Two Host Minimum with a new podcast coming from Chipperish Hosts where we mix and match to engage with the movies you want to hear us talk about. Go to patreon.com slash Chipperish to find out how you can close rips in reality, keep Chipperish media content ad-free, and help us continue to make all the podcasts that you love. All right. So now let's move into a little bit of staking, although I kind of got into the staking ahead of time <laughs> because it's really hard to separate all the stakeable material. But let's start with Connor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, hateable from the first moment he's on screen. Like Connor is just and the thing is, he's a kid and I don't want to hate him. I want to like him. But first of all, it's it's the combination of Vincent Kartheiser, who I'm sorry. I'm sure he's a lovely human being. I just don't like him in the Me role. too. Connor is also a brat and like I understand that he's you know coming from this other dimension that his father told him you know Holtz told him how bad Angel was and told him everything that Angel did and that's really terrible but just all of it's bad but then they put in this stupid drug dealer story which has nothing to we're we've got all of this we've got a rip in the fabric of reality (laughs) maybe let's use that to mess with Connor and Angel a little bit uh, maybe this is the time to have it be bad. You know, that there's this demon. He comes in, he kills this nasty demon. What if that demon actually got away and he went chasing the demon? And so here is Connor wanting to kill Angel, but also saving people by trying to kill this demon, which is what his father does. And then we could thematically like put all this stuff together. But instead, we've got this stupid drug dealer story. He cuts off the guy's ear and it's so weird, but it does lead to one line that I really like. <laughs> the dealer yells, you may want to speak up. You see, I I don't hear so good anymore you know okay i liked that i liked that but then we have this unbelievably stupid drug dealer shootout in the squatting <laughs> hole the and I don't, it doesn't relate to anything it's so dumb it's so dumb unless the tear in the fabric of reality just shook the narrative structure so much that we're now spinning stories that make no sense yeah i guess it, it makes no sense and i mean yeah Dealing with a teenager is hard enough. Mm-hmm. Dealing with a teenager raised in a hell dimension, yeah. Yeah, it's going to take it out of you. And I should have more empathy, but I really hate this kid. And like, I, I just, know. God, I don't know if it's casting or if it's just because he is such part a brat. of it is the way he's written. Because yeah. he's written as a brat. And the thing is that there's there's loads of space to give Connor real vulnerability. You know, um, and we don't really see that. He's just pissed off and pissy all the time. Yeah. And like, I understand, you know, it, it, it has to be hard being raised in a hell dimension, yeah. especially with Holtz. Holtz is the only other human being there. I think it's got to be really irritating after a while. Um, but 
honestly, like they write him in such a way and, and Kartheiser plays him in such a way that there really is just this one. There's, there aren't multiple levels to Connor. You scratch the surface of Connor. You just get more Connor, you know, <laughs> and it's just, it's not good. No, it's not good. And, and like, he's a great fighter and I, and I yeah. do like how his physicality how he moves the way Angel moves. Like, I think and he's he did, got great capability, yeah, which is awesome. Which is yeah. great. Um, and it raises the question okay, well, he was supposed to be human. Obviously, he's more than human. So, what's going mm-hmm. on there? Um, and right. luckily for us, while he is a great fighter, his aim with the stake shooter isn't that great because he well, missed I guess he Angel. Just, he just ran through a ripping well, yeah. alley. I mean, I which guess. somehow he managed to tear. Yeah. So, so, he's got something going on. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But yeah, it's 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 not good. It's not good. So, one thing I have absolutely no patience for, as I have expressed a couple of times, is uh Gru's sad sack jealousy mm-hmm. nonsense. Like, okay, I understand he he came here. It was ridiculous for him to accept that or to expect that Cordy would just drop whatever she had going on and be with him. But she did. She did. And she committed to him and they had this whole relationship and they went off for a couple of weeks together and had a great time and all of that. So right now at this point, they're together. He sees that she's like clearly in love with Angel. What bothers me is that instead of sitting her down and speaking directly to her and saying, hey, you know, am I really what you want here? Mm -hmm. You know, I think that you want Angel instead of this like passive aggressive, like, you know, stuff that he's like hinting at and being whiny about it, you know, um, I, I think that I would have felt better about that if he was at least straightforward and honest about it and, yeah. and said, you know, you're clearly in love with Angel. And also the fact that she doesn't know she's in love with Angel. I mean, Jesus, just stop. Just stop. She is more self-aware than that. I mean, it's just it's dumb. So Gru's like passive aggressive. Yes, we must always consider Angel. Angel is our leader. We must obey his wishes. And this like stupid smile that he has (laughs) on his face, the way he delivers that is so like if it was genuine, if that was a genuine thing that he was expressing, then I would have been like, okay, you know, but he's saying it in this really like backhanded way and I just like I'm I'm so done with this guy see I, I know at that point that I have a group bias because I read that as him learning sarcasm I didn't read it as passive aggressive. I was like, oh, Gru's trying to be sarcastic uh, oh, but yeah, I think that like the one of the most powerful questions that we should ask mm-hmm. each other in a romantic relationship is what do you want? Mm-hmm. Is that still yeah. me? Was it ever yeah. me? Like, right. are we on the same page here? Mm-hmm. And and yeah, it, it is annoying that we never see any of that in any form from him. Yeah. Um, and also that we never see it from Cordelia, who is supposed to be the high holy priestess of emotional intelligence. Like, yeah, it, it drives me crazy. So, yeah. Yeah. No, it it. it makes me nuts. So all of that for me is completely stakeable. Um, but then I get into this research mode with, again, and, and it's coming from the last episode. We had these slime demons. They knew about the Destroyer. You would think that they were from Kortoth. So were they from Kortoth? And w- did he actually open the tear in reality? Because he did the spell, but it didn't work. Right. So like he's paying the cost for the darkness of doing the spell. And I understand that, except that he's really not because nothing has any consequence from that. And he actually did get his son back if he opened up the tear in reality. But but Connor says he ripped open the tear in reality. And how the hell did he do that? And 
all of it doesn't make any sense. And I don't, and the thing is, we're so close to having something here that could have been really awesome. Oh yeah. That, you know, Angel had done this dark spell that, um, he actually did tear the reality, um, that during that tear, these little slug demons came through and that they were, you know, the harbinger of something bigger and badder and the destroyer and all of that kind of stuff. We don't get any clarity on, on that because we keep saying that he failed to rip the tear Mm -hmm. so all of it together you know or if like when he ripped the tear something came through from us to to Kortoth and then that's how you know um Connor was able to fully rip it open you know but that there's something like I the the lines of consequence first are not consequential and second of all are just not clear no there it just doesn't make any sense and and I mean Connor yeah. strikes me as the kind of kid who would have an ocean of slug demons as pets so like I can oh, see sure. the connection but if yeah. if he had been pulled through and not wanting to come like if he mm-hmm. had landed there and was like I never wanted to see you why did you pull yeah. me here like that yeah. even would have been more interesting um, to right. have Angel yeah. gets what he wants and then Connor hating him for yeah. it mm-hmm. um, or something. But I mean, it, there's so much potential for great story yeah. here and it goes mm-hmm. so badly and makes no sense. Yeah. but the, the, No, it's all just a mess. Yeah, it is a mess. But the thing that got me, I don't even know. I don't know if they did this on purpose. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like it got the emotional weight that it deserved Mm -hmm. but there were Mm -hmm. two clear echoes from baby connor that just broke my heart Mm -hmm. um and so the first is when connor leaves the hotel he goes out running and it's the daytime Mm -hmm. and angel tries to follow him out into the sunlight but he can't and he's calling after him and he's stuck and he's heartbroken and cordy told him that would happen you know when when Mm -hmm. connor was first born and Mm -hmm. like that was a it was a punch and it it just felt like it wasn't like they didn't draw that connection um and then when connor was talking about angel being a vampire he said you have a second face a face for killing show it to me i want to see it Mm -hmm. and it just reminded me of that sweet little newborn connor when angel's vamp face was the only thing that would make him stop crying yeah you know and angel's like it looks like this son it's part of who i am and it's a part i hope you can accept one day infant connor had already accepted that like infant connor loved that face and i just it felt like there was so much more we could have done with that Um, right to like have that moment really have that significance for angel that this was the face he used to pull to to calm his son down to soothe his son right and now his son hates it yeah you know um yeah there's stuff that they could have done and i think that's part of why these episodes are so frustrating because they're so close you know i mean we're not that far away from actually making this work right but it's it's just not done very well so i don't know i think i'm gonna brood a little bit all right While A New World is a watcher because it returns Connor and Holtz to the story and it deals nicely with the emotional fallout of seeing his son again for Angel, it isn't a great episode. It doesn't really make narrative sense. It goes off on a wild side adventure with no relevance to anything else that's going on. And we have to deal with Gru's fragility, which is not a good look on him. So overall, it's a watcher, but it's not a fun watcher. All right, Kelly, what's making you thirsty this week? So what's making me thirsty is the same as my favorite part, which is Lila, Lila, (laughs) Lila. 
and Lila and Wesley. <laughs> but Lila with a really old book in Wesley's apartment. I mean, come oh, on. Yeah. Let's use that vodka for something more fun than Dark Magic Demon's looks. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think for us, the favorite part, like you, it's Lila, 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 and Lila, and then Wesley. And for me, it's Wesley, 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 and Wesley, and then Lila. <laughs> um, broody, dark, bearded Wesley. I mean, absolutely. That is my love language. That is the way to my heart. Um, I love cranky Englishmen, you know, with dark past. I just, I like it. I like the I like the scruffy. I just do. Um, so that was really fun and um, and absolutely my favorite part for the whole thing. And it would be my favorite part even in good episodes. Yes. You know, but in these episodes, hands down. <laughs> absolutely. And we want to hear about your favorite parts. Um, to join in the discussion on Twitter, you can follow Lonnie at Lonnie Dinerich and me at Dr. Kelly Jones and use the hashtag still dead. For an in-depth discussion, you can become a Chipperish Media patron and gain access to the Discord live chat where you can hang out with me and Lonnie and all the Chipperish patrons who can name all the ways to kill a vampire and then some. Visit patreon.com slash chipperish to find out more. This episode of Still Dead was brought to you by Chipperish Media producer Mandy Kay. Mandy Kay supports Chipperish Media at the power producer level and as a reward gets to make a necklace of the teeth of everything that she's killed. But since Mandy's the peaceful type, she'll probably just put a locket on it or something, I guess. <laughs> thank you, Mandy Kay. And thank you so much to everyone who supports Chipperish Media and makes all this possible. You are the reason we can do this. So thank you so much for that. I think the story world of Angel would benefit greatly by a visit from Mandy Kay. I think so too. <laughs> She's delightful. She is delightful. You can also show your support for Still Dead by going to Apple Podcasts and giving us a review. That is one of the most effective ways to show support for your favorite podcast. Or you can use your social media platform of choice to tell your friends because word of mouth is a powerful thing. And we love hearing from y'all and chatting with everybody yes. on Twitter about Angel is so much fun. It is very fun. You guys are all correcting me. You know, like, <laughs> you're all like... I don't know that Wesley and Fred are really such a good pair. And I don't know. That. And I'm like, you know what? You're all right. I just, I just love Wesley. And I, I have Wesley blindness. <laughs> like you, you've grew blindness and I have Wesley blindness. I and I can't help it. I know. It's so weird. Well, we will be back next time with two watchers for the finale of season three, episodes 21 and 22, Benediction and Tomorrow. Until then, you may want to speak up, you see, because we don't hear so good anymore. 